Good morning. I want to add my word of welcome here to Christ Community today. We are leveraging technology like we did the past three years down at Troy University, the Troy campus. And uh, today I want to do something a little different. Uh, me and my family are out of town, and I just wanted to uh, be able to communicate God's word to you as we complete the passage series. Man, it has been rich uh, being in God's word this summer together, just studying the uh, uh, significant passages of scripture and today is the last uh, installment on passages next weekend we kick off our brand new series on i2 but today i just want to kind of give a basic foundational message for the christ follower or for the person considering faith in jesus it's called the eight elements of spiritual formation uh you know i certainly could uh, count many more, but I'm only going to cover eight today. And believe it or not, one of them's not even going to be prayer, and that's probably my favorite topic. But today, I just want us to think about: Are you a growing believer? Are you growing your faith? Is your faith stretching? Are Are you moving to new places with the Lord? If you'll just take your Bible, if you have a copy of it, if you'll turn over to First Thessalonians, a letter there of Paul, and if you turn to the second chapter, the thirteenth verse, I want to read God's word. Listen to the Lord's word this morning. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. You know, that's been our whole prayer through this whole series, is that God's word, that powerful word of the loving God, powerful God, that it is an operation, that it is moving, that it is uh, changing, it is transforming you. And yes, this word that we accept, that we receive, has the power to transform our souls, our minds, our bodies, our very lives. So today, I just want to talk about simple truths, just components, elements of adding to your faith, growing your faith, stretching your faith, moving on. Um, you know, I think it's God's desire for every Christian, for every Christ follower to grow. And really, you've only got two stances. You're growing, or man, you're just, you're dying. I mean, you're growing or you're dying. Now, I guess there could be a third. You could be stagnant. You could just really not hardly doing anything. But my prayer is that I want you to thrive. I want you to thrive in the riches of God's Word, in the riches, the fullness of His Spirit. Uh, today, it's just going to be kind of an overview of these elements that will help us. And we could call them spiritual disciplines, although the word disciplines usually not a really fun word. But we'll call them spiritual practices. If you'll take these eight things today that I'm going to talk about, and if you'll choose one and just begin to practice that in your spiritual life, I will promise you there'll be spiritual growth. There'll be significant growth if you'll begin to do that on a consistent basis. Maybe you could take on all eight or four of the eight. I don't know, but I want to just begin to launch into this and think about how important these elements are for spiritual uh, formation in your life. Now, uh, it'd be like, as you begin to look at these, these uh, tools, these elements for growth, you know, some of you are golfers, some of us aren't, but like, you know, you, you have to determine what club do I need at what hole and how far I am away and that kind of thing. And, and you're determining uh, the right club. Well, there might be the, one of these elements is what you are going to determine. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you that if you begin to practice this discipline, uh, there could be significant spiritual change and growth in your life this year. So uh, I'm just believing that God's going to do something. And, and it might seem like, man, there's a lot of information here today. He's unpacking a lot. But I'm praying that you're just going to get in what God has for you today. So these spiritual disciplines that we're going to talk about, but let's, we'll call them spiritual practices. Number one, ready? Solitude. 
Now, I talk about that around here sometimes, and it's really hard for my personality and people like me, and some of you practice solitude really well, but uh, solitude is when you and I deliberately, intentionally withdraw from people, from work, from busyness of life to schedule time with our Heavenly Father. That's what it means to just be in solitude, that we just kind of steal away to the Lord. Uh, if you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels and all through Scripture, you see that Jesus would steal away. He would move away in a place of solitary uh, place. He would move to a place of solitude that he would meet with his Father. He would have a one-on-one. And in the Gospel of Mark, I believe it's the first chapter, the 35th verse, it says, Early in the morning, Jesus got up and he withdrew to the mountainside with his Father. So Jesus models this solitude. He, he needed it for his soul. How much we need it. Uh, all through, you, you see him talking to disciples about, he would go to the disciples. He'd go, hey guys, could you come away with me? Could you come to this quiet place with me? And he would begin to instruct them about the kingdom of his father. And it's no different today. I mean, here it is, Labor Day weekend. And this weekend, most of you... I'm sure some of you have to work maybe this afternoon or tomorrow, but a lot of us will have tomorrow off. And I pray that sometime in that day of rest and reflection and having fun or barbecue or lake or pool or beach or whatever you do, or maybe sitting under the air conditioner, that you'll just find that I need solitude, quietness for my soul, that I'll go away with Jesus. I'll be alone, that I'll begin to meditate on the scriptures. I'll begin to feel him, uh, let him fill my mind and my heart, that I'm the one that God loves and God desires to be with me. Do I desire to be with him? That's a great question. Do you just want to be with the Lord? He's inviting you even now as I preach this word to you. He's going to be inviting you throughout the day, and I hope you'll listen to him. But, you know, solitude's hard. I mean, uh, you know, I heard somebody once say, and I love this, it says, solitude would be a lot more fun if you could take other people along with you and do it. And my personality, i got to tell you, I spend a lot of time by myself in study and prayer and preparation. But one of my funnest things that I love about ministry is people. I love to be people. I love energy. I, I like to draw from others. And so for me, solitude would be more fun if I could just get others to go with me. But it really wouldn't be what God would have for my soul or for your soul. So it's just a thought for you this morning. You know, maybe tomorrow, today, 15 minutes. Maybe just, you know, start in a small, maybe you work up to 30 minutes. Maybe over the next month or over the next six months, you get up to an hour. And I would even ask you at some time, go for a day. I remember a few years ago, I took some time off, and I went on a sabbatical for study, and I spent a whole week away from civilization, away from people, away from the television, away from radio, away from my phone, away from my family, away from everybody. In the first few, the first few days, I was going nuts. It was crazy. There was so much quietness, but in decluttering from the busyness, God really began to speak to my soul, to my heart, and I heard him in a very clear way. So I just encourage us to maybe start at 10, 15 minutes and move up from there. Let's do the second one. Solitude's first. Secondly is silence. You know, do you just found that place of silence? Psalm 46, verse 10, the psalmist just says that verse that we know, be still and know that I am God. And this morning, in these moments, maybe the Lord would speak to you. He'd get you to slow down, and he would want you to be intentional about uh, moving to a place with him of just being in that quiet place that you hear him. Solitude being alone, now silence, just the quietness, just the busyness, the clutter has to go. Uh, 
you begin to remove yourself from the incessant noise of society. You know, uh, we complain as people, as Americans, a lot about noise and, and, and all that. But yet, when we go into a room, when we check into a hotel, when we go home, we're very quick to run over and hit the remote, turn on the television, to turn on some music. We get in the car. We immediately begin to feel it. I hear people all the time, I don't sleep well unless I have noise. There's something about that noise that distracts us, and we think it's good. So God wants us to have a place of silence that uh, we, we just begin to say, God, I, I, these trivial plans I make, bad thoughts, all the different things come at me. Lord, I want to quiet myself before you and hear you. I want my mind, as the Apostle Paul said, I want it to be controlled by you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and transform because the, the, the mind that's controlled by the flesh leads to death. I need to be controlled by your Holy Spirit. That's what I'm praying this Labor Day weekend for myself and for you, that there'll be some silence in your day, in your life. Um, uh, an application? Could you, could you take an hour and turn off the television and just go be alone? Could you take a day? Could you take a week? I, I have a good friend here at our church, and he's removed television basically from his house, and it's been an incredible uh, catalyst for spiritual growth in their family. Wow, what, what, a, what an incredible deal to do. Uh, here's one. Are you ready? Don't go online today. Just unplug, man. Don't go on your, don't, hey, don't do Facebook today. No social media today. I know right now you hate me and, hey, I'm not there, you know, but, uh, man, it's just a way to practice a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice of growing like Jesus. You know, there's a, a, a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, there is a time to be silent and a time to speak. Ecclesiastes 3, 7. You know, there's a time to be still, to be silent before him. And there's certainly a time to speak and to be an advocate for him and defend our faith. And I'm just saying this weekend, are we considering about being still before him and practicing the silence? Practicing the silence of God doesn't mean not having boundaries in your life. I think there's boundaries we begin to erect. Richard Foster, a great writer of the uh, Celebration of Disciplines, a great book. It's a, it's a deep read, but it's good. He says this, a person who is under the discipline of silence is a person who can say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. And if we are silent when we should speak, we're not living in the discipline of silence. If we speak when we should be silent, we again then miss the mark. You know, didn't Jesus model this quiet solitude, this quiet silence with his Father? And he would ask us to do no less. So, uh, solitude and silence, they're going to take training. They're going to take preparation. But if you're willing to put in the time, there'll be spiritual growth. Look at the third point today, study. I deliberately immerse my mind in study of God's Word. I begin to study. I begin to let God's Word renew me. The Scripture says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Your word, oh God, it illuminates my way. It shows me in the way I should go. Lord, would you order my steps? You know, I think this morning the Lord is calling you and I to deeper study that we begin to fill our minds. And not that we just get all this knowledge, as important as knowledge is, and we get biblical information, and that's a great place for that. But we begin to say, God, I want to immerse myself in Scripture for longer periods of time than I am. Maybe you're not reading the Bible on a daily basis. I encourage you to have a daily time with the Lord. Maybe you're reading it for five minutes. Hey, that's a great place. Maybe you're doing it 15, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours a day. I don't know, but I would say immerse yourself in Scripture. Receive 
from the Word of God. It, it is powerful. It, it'll change our lives. Uh, no wonder the church of Jesus Christ doesn't grow if we don't spend time in God's Word and His presence, getting His leadership, getting His plan that we, uh, I think Paul says in one place, he says, welcome the Word of God. Welcome it into your heart. There's basically four steps on this study thing that I want to borrow from Richard Foster that he says about how important if, if we won't study. And one of those points is repetition. I want you to, there's four steps there. Begin to fill in the first one, repetition. It pushes my mind from a specific direction and then ingrained habits begin to form in my life because there's a repetitive behavior that takes place. There's power in repetition. When we repeat things, it, it gets so, it gets become such a part of us. So in study, we need to have repetition. I know when I went to school, that's pretty much how we studied through the power of repetition. Now, that's not the only way, and it's probably not just the best way. It's just one of the ways we study, repeating. We repeat things. Uh, I, I will repeat a phrase over and over, trying to ingrain, trying to drive it into your mind. The second one is concentration. Concentration in study means I center my mind upon him. I center my mind upon this subject. I center my mind upon the scripture. Jesus, be the center of this study. And then the third one be comprehension. That's the focus. We focus on the knowledge, the, the knowledge that God, we focus on the knowledge of the truth. And the fourth point of study would be reflection. I spend a significant amount of time on, on the subject matter. I just let it breathe. I, I let it have its way. I, I let it frame. I let it form. And so I'm just hoping, God, would, would you lead us to this place of study, uh, Bible study? We, we have, uh, there's a new Beth Moore study starting next week and it's gonna be a great opportunity for your women i encourage you to be a part of that. there's other studies around the church uh, contact mike about our small group ministry but this fall we're studying the odd two church together but be watching for bible study opportunities the fourth point here's the fourth component we're getting there secrecy now what does secrecy have to do with spiritual growth i i deliberately abstain from uh proclaiming the deed that i did and it was a good deed uh, I let God be in charge of the PR of my life. So many of you are so good at that. You, you let God rule and reign. You let God exalt you. You let God promote you. And, and that's the way of the kingdom. But the secrecy thing, uh, it's nearly impossible to keep good news, to keep a surprise. You, you want to go and you want to, uh, you know, for us recently about becoming grandparents, we could, when we got that news, we, you know, we had to hold it in because uh, Rachel and Jeremy wanted to tell you, they wanted to tell their friends. And then we finally got to, and it was like, there was this secret. I had to go and tell people, you know how it is when you have a great secret and, 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 and maybe you do something good for somebody. You, you do a deed and, and, and the thing Jesus said, walk in humility. And, and, and don't tell people what you've done. Uh, there, there's a scripture we'll look at here in a minute, but there's that frantic enthusiasm that wells up in our soul, and we want other people to know. And, and sometimes there's a time that we do share that, absolutely. There's other times we, we just have to sit on it. There's this uh, enthusiasm we have to harness. Um, you know, a lot of times there's uh, maybe a selfish desire. We, we want to tell other people what we've done. We, we want them to be proud of us. We want them to validate us. We want us... We want to be accepted by them. I, I certainly understand that. Probably you do too. Uh, we, we don't want to let this thing stay under wraps. We, we want it to go public. In the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus addressed this whole subject of secrecy. He, um, he, he talked about keeping things secret. 
Yet there's other places that says, don't put your light under a bushel. Don't put it on a stand, but hey, go, put it on the roof, man. Go out. Go public. You're a light on a hill. But in this place, Jesus begins to say, but when you give your alms, when you give your offerings, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. But when you pray, go into the inner room and pray to your Father who is in secret. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And he goes on there in Matthew 6, 3, uh, verse 6, 17 and 18, he goes, in Jesus' kingdom, there's something to be said for keeping secrets. Uh, you know, it's just an interesting thing. Jesus, he, he, he's in the secrecy. There's just times that we just have to sit on it. Some of you, it's not very hard. You're really good at it. I applaud you. Some of us, like myself, we're not very good at it. Jesus talks about this, and he says, Be careful to do your acts of righteousness before men, but not to be seen by men, but to be seen by your Heavenly Father. Um, if you wrestle with approval addiction, this is hard. There are a lot of people in this room today, and you need to be approved. You have a need. To, you're not like last weekend when I preached about isolation, but you're more into codependency, or you're more into addiction, or the approval of others, and that's not a good place either. And God says, hey, I just want you to be quiet. I, I, I want to do my thing in you. Um, do you wrestle with doing good things in front of people? of other people i mean do you do them for the right reasons do you do them for the glory of your father in heaven that's that's the motive of a of a pure devoted christ father that's what jesus wants for us um, lord i don't want to be impressive but i deliberately intentionally want to honor you so i want to do this act in the i2 movement that we'll start next weekend we're going to talk about being missional going on mission serving god and uh not caring what people think about us, but what our Father thinks, what our Father says, and doing what He says. Uh, toxic addictions, addictions, they never lead us to a place of health. Uh, and I could talk on and on, but Jesus here, uh, sometimes He would avoid the places of crowds, and He would go off to the lonely place, and not solitude here, but He would go off to be in secret here. And He didn't need the approval of others. He just wanted to honor His Father. What a a model, an example for you and me this morning. Let me give you the other one here. Uh, if, you'll, if you'll just write down there, make sure you get Matthew 6, 18. Because I like what it says. It's when it says, we uh, do not have the things in order to gain the approval of others. When we believe that the things done in secret are seen by God like Jesus, we can practice secret piety, secret prayer, and secret giving. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Is our Father in heaven not capable of, of rewarding us when he thinks it's time. So let's just do our, our good deeds. Let's just do our acts for the righteousness of God, for the kingdom, and we'll let the Lord decide when it's time to let it go public. Here's a fifth one. Not going to spend a lot of time on it. It's fasting. We fast around here at different times. In the last several years, we've done these 21-day fast, Daniel fast. This next year, we're even looking at maybe a different kind of fast. But fasting is biblical, and I would just say to you, if you need a breakthrough in your life, you need to hear the voice of God a little clearer, you need to declutter some things, abstain from food, abstain from activity, begin to study fasting in the Scripture. You know, some of us are probably like the old Sesame Street character, Cookie Monster. He had a very simple philosophy of life. See the cookie, want the cookie, eat the cookie. There's that appetite, gratification right now. Man, I, I certainly understand that. Fasting means we begin to die to ourselves. We abstain from the, the worldly pleasures of this world. Um, you know, let's face it, the people of Madison Avenue today, this past week, 
billions of dollars, brilliant people, marketing strategists. They've figured out how to make a ploy for us to get something we didn't even know that we needed and for us to gratify the desires of our flesh and they're really good at it. We go out and we buy that and blah, blah, blah. But these, these, um, sadness, these uh, appetites sometimes, they need to be delayed. And fasting just does that. It helps us get our right focus on our Heavenly Father. Um, anyway, Jesus, he, he was tempted. And he fasted and he went away to be with his Father. And he, uh, I like what he says. Jesus says, people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus Christ, he, he says, I meditate, I chew. My, my Father's word is the nourishment for my soul. And this is what I need, not the bread of this world. And man, how much I enjoy the bread of this world. You probably do too. And yet God's trying to call us to, to a higher place. Let's look at the sixth one, serving. Man, if you want to grow spiritually, man, I just got to brag on uh, Blake and Justin and our students. They, they do a great job of serving Christ, serving our community. Uh, they were on a local mission trip over in East Alabama this summer. They serve around here. Many of you are involved in feeding the homeless and other service projects. And I cannot wait to see what the Holy Spirit initiates as we begin to get into the I2 movement and how we serve uh, the body of Christ, but how we serve those far from the cross. I mean, but serving is the way of God. It's a, it, it takes uh, the posture of humility when we doubt ourselves and we begin to say, Lord, uh, I need to humble myself. I need to seek you. I need to serve you. I need to train for humility. Uh, I need to, I need to uh, be in servanthood. I like serving is useful for freedom from selfishness and man because we live in a selfish world. You know, at the core of me, I'm, I'm selfish. I mean, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be a lot more selfish. I mean, thank be, thanks be to God for the work he's doing to me. But I'm basically, I'm a sinner and so are you. And dying to self and letting Christ live, being crucified that Christ is exalted means dying that I become selfless and uh, not selfish and surrendered to him. And, and God just has ways for us to serve. Today, so many some of you have served. You're serving a first pitch team, tech, band, nursery, children, youth, various capacities. Man, people were cut the grass this week and bush hogged and did just tons of stuff. People just serve around here. They, they, they cooked some meals. They went to the hospital they, they met the need of a, a widow, a widower. They, they helped a single parent. They, they just did something significant. They opened the door for somebody. I don't know what you did. I mean, the thing is, don't tell anybody. Just, just do it. But I want to move to the next one. Number seven. Man, I'm, I'm grateful to Jeff and his team. And, man, they're here this morning. Man, y'all been experiencing the goodness of this ministry of worship. And I want to call it the discipline of singing. It's... Our lives are worship. Worship is 24-7. Worship is the word. Worship is our singing. Worship is prayer. Worship is everything. We, we want to make it just about the singing. That's just kind of the praise part of the service. But this discipline of singing. If, if you want to grow in your faith, man, I, I invite you to call, email Jeff, go by and see him, see one of the worship team. Re, hey, read the worship guy. That's a novel idea. Every weekend, Jeff puts the songs in there, and they have the artists. Go out and buy their albums. Begin to fill your car and your homes with the praises of our King. Man, begin to build in singing into your soul. Man, I can be in a bad mood, and man, I just begin to sing the power of music. But this is not music. It's so much more. It's the power of worship. And man, this singing thing, it's God's idea. It's an upward flow of our soul when we praise God. 
That's why I love for you to come in early as I instruct you to. And I want you to stay for the whole service. And I want you to fully engage. I want you to have emotion. I want you to have passion. I want you to love our God. I want you to be celebratory in nature, which I'll talk about in a minute. But the, the Psalms, just begin to read the Psalms. In this thing, you're saying, well, okay, back to study, back to the Word. Just receive the Word. Just begin to read the Psalms this month. Maybe you're not reading the Gospels. Maybe you're not reading the Epistles. You're not reading the Old Testament. I don't know. Just read the Psalms. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His. Give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. Uh, sing praise to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For the God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. Psalm 47, 6 and 7. All through the Psalm, Psalm 95, 1. Oh, let us come sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. You see the theme. The psalmist is saying, sing. He didn't say, stand there with your hands in your pockets. He said, sing to the Lord. Make melody in your heart. Worship Him in gladness. Come into His house. It was good when they went to the house of the Lord. I mean, your albums are good. Man, I love our iPods, and I love you listening to stuff. That's cool, but there's nothing like live worship. Can I get a big amen? Okay. Uh, Psalm 96.2. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand, his holy arm have gained him the victory. Psalm 98.1. I can sit here and just read you scripture after scripture to make one point. There's a scriptural foundation to sing, to praise. Man, we really started this church for two reasons. It was to be a high celebration, praise and worship community of believers and to exalt the Lord Jesus in word and practical, applicable messages for your soul. And we've done that for the last 16 years. And man, we're glad that you're a part of this. So Psalm 102, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Man, this morning, I'm about to finish here in a few minutes. And when I do, I hope and pray that when Jeff leads you in worship that you will open your mouth and you will sing loudly to the lord from a heart of worship uh, christians are taught to sing and to praise with great joy james chapter 5 verse 13 i love the story in the book of acts chapter 16 verses 25 and following paul and silas in prison there their reaction to imprisonment was praise was midnight singing to the lord it's, it was beautiful. I, I don't know if they had very good voices. They, they probably didn't. I don't know. They were great orators, okay? But man, they praised. And this morning, I don't care if you got a good voice or you got a horrible voice or you think you're good, whatever. If people look at you funny, just go, hey, praise the Lord. You know, all that's within me. My, inmo, my inmost being, it praises the Lord. I sing to Him. Uh, just sing, just praise, just worship Him. Direct your songs to Him. But sometimes there's songs that aren't right to God. They're over us. They're over the body of Christ. We sing over one another. In um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, and other passages, I won't, I won't read that for sake of time, but if you'll begin to look at that, you'll see some, some reasons there. But uh, David wrote of the personal benefits of singing praise. He knew it would nourish his soul. He knew it would lift up his great God. He knew that God had made him to praise him. And David magnified the name of his God. And I want us to be like David. I don't want us to, when the Bible says, and if you don't praise me, these very rocks will cry out and they'll praise me. I'm not getting beat by no rock and I don't want you to get beat by a rock. I want to bless his name. We have a great fellowship of worship. 
And it gets stronger when you begin to participate and you begin to invite other people. I know people sometimes say, well, you know, I stay home and I watch it on the web or, or I watch it on TV or I have my favorite TV preacher. I'm grateful for all that. That's great. But there is no replacement for a live engagement of singing with other believers and live worship and participating and praying for and encouraging and teaching and instructing and serving the body of Christ. Man, what a great thing. Enriched by Christ. Spirit-enriched worship. The last point I want to give you, and I'm really talking about it, is number eight, celebration. Man, if you, if you want to have an element of uh, growth, you want to have spiritual formation, you just need to have a reason to celebrate. You just begin to enjoy the goodness of God. One of the ways I do that is just simply being outside, being in nature, enjoying the mountains, enjoying the ocean, enjoying the lake, just enjoying a sunset, a sunrise, a, a beautiful rainbow, just the beauty, the majestic nature of His name. But God, You are good, and I will praise You. My soul will exalt You. That's what I pray happens this weekend. The Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. If the Apostle Paul could come back this morning in physical form, he would come in here and he would tell us, I wrote a book, y'all. It's the book of Philippians. It's all about joy. And I want y'all to begin to magnify and rejoice in the Lord in new ways. And I'm just wondering, are we rejoicing or are we joylessness? Do we not have the joy of the Lord? It's a sin not to have joy. Joy is an inward happening of faith. It's not... Um, Dependent on your circumstances, but it's in the person of Christ. Nehemiah, in chapter 8, verse 10, I love this passage. He just said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy comes from Jesus. It's not in what's happening, how you've been promoted, how you've had health, how you've had answered prayer, and all those things are good. It's what, who Christ is in you, the hopeful glory forming you. So this morning, do you celebrate? I'm not talking about trying harder. No, 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 no. I don't want you to try harder. I want you to worship Him. I want you to celebrate His goodness. You gather together with others. We gather together to eat spiritually. We gather together to break meals and break bread physically. But the joy of Christ is our strength. I, I like the phrase, I say it around here a lot, we're a celebratory church in nature. We celebrate the goodness of God. He is worthy of my praise. He has done wonderful and great things. I will rejoice in Him all the days of my life. I will praise Him. Will you praise Him? In, in just a moment, I'm so excited. You're going to go into worship. You're going to go into praise. You're going to go into celebration with Jeff and the team. And they're going to lead you to worship from your heart. Maybe with uplifted hands, as I talked about a few weeks ago, but from the heart. Lord, I worship you. You know, that's what... I've come to talk about this Labor Day weekend. Spiritual formation. Man, we're getting ready right now for great things in our church. I hope you'll be praying for us. I hope you're going to participate. I hope even today you'll go to the small group table or to the information center and say, I want to be in a small group. Sign me up. I don't want to miss out on the great adventure of what God's doing at Christ Community Church. Hey, will you pray with me? And I hope that this will be a great Labor Day weekend for you and your family. Let's pray. Father, it is so good to be in your house this morning with the family of God. And Lord, I thank you for these beautiful believers and what you're doing and how you're giving us instruction for our soul. And Lord, I pray that we move to a deeper place with Jesus this fall. I pray that we fall 
more in love with you, that, Lord, you become more to us than you've ever been. Lord, you are worthy. You inhabit the praises of your children. So this morning, Lord, I ask that we come with clean hands and pure hearts. And Holy Spirit, come and fill this place, shake this place, and cause us to give you praise. In the name of Jesus, amen.